Sunday mornings after church at noon for 31 years, whenever Christy and I drive together, which is not always, but, but about half the time, I'll get in the car, and there's a question in my mind that I always want to ask, but I don't ask. You know what it is? How did I do? How did I do? And there's nothing wrong with asking it, but it doesn't help me to ask it, because two things can happen. She could go, eh, you've done better. Well, she wouldn't, she's nicer. Or she could go, it was great, and it's like, okay, well, how did that help me? But I'm just telling you that, you know, you, <clears throat> that's the first thing that comes in my mind whenever I do anything. How did I do? And I've learned, it's not good for my soul to say, so how did I do? It's okay to talk about it, or did you, different things, but, but, the, but the heart behind it is, um, is just the insecurity. How did I do? I was, um, some of you know, but some of you don't know, so I'm the, I'm the, um, I lead the chaplains, Air National and Army National Guard chaplains. I'm the um, state chaplain, and Justin's one of my chaplains, and, um, and um, Aaron Lewis, is, who's in school right now. And we had a, a training about a month ago in Topeka, and we had a general talk to us. And after the general got done talking, it was really good. Where's Justin? Um, it was good, wasn't it? It was probably as honest as I've ever heard a general share. And um, shared it, kind of bared his soul. And I got in the car after he spoke, and I got on my phone, and I texted him. And I said, thank you, great job. You really um, impacted us deeply. And the, the text I got back was, I'm a general. I don't need that from you. No, it's not what happened. <laughs> what I got back was, thanks, Terry. I probably said this wrong or shouldn't have said that, right? Same, like everybody else. And I said, no, what you shared was, was what made it impactful. And I, te- I told Justin, I'm going to text him because he's a man. And he walked out of that room of chaplains, and we're all way underneath him in rank. He walked out of there, and I knew what's on his mind. He walked out the door. How did I do? Right? We all move through life that way. You know, talking to a friend, we go to lunch with someone, going, gosh, should I said that, should I said that. So what's the first thought, this is a rhetorical question, what's the first thought group leaders have when group is over? How did I do? How did I do? And it's, it's a normal thought. It's not a bad thought. It's, I'm, not, I'm not even criticizing the thought. I'm just saying that's where we all are. And part of what we, what we want to do this tonight and tomorrow is, and Rodney will talk about this, or we'll talk about tomorrow, is tell you, you're good. <laughs> you're good. And, and if you feel any kind of beat up this week, the weekend, don't. We're not. It's not coming from us. Uh, because we really like you. I really like you. I admire what you do. Um, I don't ever, ever think, and Jim and Brenda, gosh, why don't they do this long? We think it's amazing what what they do. And we're all in this together. So this image captures the responsibilities of a group leader in a, in a, in a single glance. I, I took out the words. Is it, you guys remember, let's, let's start with, um, they, they stand for the, well there's these and in the middle stand for the kind of the four M's of leader's responsibilities. So what is this one? Anybody remember what that stands for? Those arrows? What'd you say? No, we have an end to it, and we're afraid to say it, but it's 
it's what? Um, well, this one kind of represents going out, so missions. This one represents what's the what's the other M? The M, that M? Member care, taking care of one another. This one represents meetings. The reason why is because <clears throat> we're talking to God. God's talking to us through the, through His Word. That's and um, Caitlin drew these out, but I think they're they're you know once the words are up there, they make sense. But they're just picture representations of our responsibilities and what's in the middle. Do you remember? It's been a while since you've seen it. Mentoring, kind of the heart of what we do is mentoring. So <clears throat> this captures the what but not the why. It doesn't capture the vision. It captures what we do. As group leaders, we lead meetings, member care, missions, and we mentor, but it doesn't capture the why. So let's think about the, uh, the big why behind the, the, behind the what. Why do we do small groups? Why do you lead a group or why do you assist in leading a small group? And I thought the way to talk about this would be to talk about why do I pastor River? Because I do, I do those same things in my role that you do in your role. Matter of fact, we sometimes call you um, lay pastors because you do pastor, pastoral work. And so the things that I thought about in my life were I do it because I have a sense of calling. God's called me to this. I do it because I have a vision for what can be done through my role. And I, I believe in what, what God can do through spiritual leadership in the lives of people. I, I do it because I have experience. I have evidence over time. History's confirmed my calling and my vision. I've experienced God in this, and so I have experience to back it up. And then I enjoy doing it <clears throat> most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. But there's joy in it. And so as we look at the, these four, the four M's, member care, missions, meeting, and mentoring, keep these four things in mind, calling, vision, experience, joy, because you, you have, I believe, these things in your life as well, at least in, as, far, as far as group leadership, for right now, this is part of what God's called you to do with your life. And people rotate in and out of group leadership, and, and that's a good thing. Uh, people say, hey, like my, my daughter Crystal, her and Neil have led us couples group for a long time, and she's like, I'm going to go to Sandy's group. I think she's, going, <laughs> she's thrilled by that, by the way. And, um, and, and Neil's going to lead a, a men's group, and they just wanted to go a different route. She wanted, to, she wanted to take a knee on group leadership. There's nothing wrong with that. But whether you're leading groups or you're just a follower of Christ ministering in some other sphere, these things are going to be a part of what you do. You're going to have a calling. You're going to experience God. You're going to have a vision. You're going to have joy in that. So... Let me give you some important points about, um, well, let me give you the biggest why. The biggest why, um, ready for it? Love God, love people. The glory of God and the good of people. Um, my, my summary of that is, of the great commandment is what matters most at the end matters most now. So here's some important points to think about. First, you don't have to be good at this to be faithful in this. And, and you may not, you may think, you know, I'm not the best in my group at any of those M's. That's okay. You're still a leader or a leader assistant. And you don't have to be good. You don't have to be. And, and good leaders, like the, the, my bosses in the military, he'll tell me, um, we had a meeting recently where there was a, <clears throat> a, a reporter was doing kind of a hit piece on the, on the Kansas Guard and he wanted just to meet with my boss, General Weishire, and he said, no, you're going to meet with my team because I'm not the expert on any of this. 
So he brought six of us in, and we worked with this reporter. He, he said, because I'm not the smartest guy in the room, this is my team. And so you don't have to be the, the, you know, the, the grand poobah, the, the, the wonderful Oz, you know. You just have to, you're just called to lead, and that's okay. It's not as complex as it sounds. So we, we, we are going to look at, go back to the basics and look at the four M's, and we're going to look at um, communicate biblical beliefs, demonstrate b biblical um, values, and, and we're going to look at that tonight. But all this stuff is not as complicated. We've tried to put it together in some packages that you can, you can remember, but it's not that complicated. It really is, and we're going to look at that. But it is difficult. It's not complicated, but it is difficult, but super important. And what you do is super important. And I'm not selling anything here. It's just super important. Uh, it's, it's not more important than being a doctor or, or being a teacher or being an accountant. It's not more important because it's a single-story life, but it's super important. It's all a part of what God's called us to. And then others are going to be um, blessed by your leadership, but I think no one's going to be blessed by more than you are. And you, if you've been doing this for a while, you know that. Um, when, when Aaron was getting ready to go to school, Elizabeth, we were talking, Aaron, Aaron Lewis is at <clears throat> officer school. And he, he was excited, but not that excited. He's going to be away from Elizabeth for two months, and he's going to get yelled at and all that. But he, he's learned every single time he puts himself in those situations, they're, they're uncomfortable, even miserable. <clears throat> he grows. <clears throat> he grows from it. And so he's learned to embrace those challenges. And, and if you've led group for a while, you know, you're like, oh, gosh. But then you grow. You benefit as much as or more than anybody else. So let's look at these... Um, that's the member care. Um, it's just taking care of one another. During celebration times is member care, crisis times, crunch times. And we tend to take turns needing help, fortunately. But there's times when um, there's a lot of people taking a turn at the same time. <laughs> or one person has a big turn. And so sometimes it's more than your group can handle. And that's when the larger group, the larger church body can step in. So you'll, you'll hear this tomorrow, but when it comes to member care, there's no one-size-fits-all approach. It's customized to groups, and it's customized to people in your group. And so member care is an important part of what you do. And this member care, I'm talking about it first, it's kind of on top, because it points to the fact that group is more than meeting. Because when we think small group, we think meeting. And it's like when we think church, say, where, what, where is your church and what time do they meet? Well, they, they're here on this corner and they meet at Sunday mornings, but we know church is much more than that. So um, without exception, I'll have one of my army or air chaplains will have a, a new commander and they'll say to him, um, Justin, all my other officers are here on, we drill on one Saturday, Sunday a month. They're here on Sundays. You need to be here on Sundays too, just like everybody else. And so they'll call me and say, a chaplain, my commander, saying I got to be here on Sunday. The problem is some of them are pastors, and um, and so I'll talk to their commanders and say, hey, my chaplains will be there every Sunday, like every other line officer. As soon as you guarantee that you will schedule all crisis for drill weekends, and if you'll schedule all problems for drill weekends, I'll make sure my chaplains are there on Sunday. And they go, chaplain, I can't schedule problems for drill weekends. I said, exactly, because because the, so these guys have to have flexibility because. These other folks are showing up Saturday, Sundays, but they're not getting called in the middle of the week to go help out with a, a suicide 
or someone who had an overdose or whatever. And my point of that is that, is that being a group leader, as you know, is, is more than taking care of group meetings. But we also know, we'll talk about this, that the meetings are the thing that demands a lot of our attention because if you don't do some member care that well, you kind of dabble at it, or you don't do missions that well, nobody notices. If you don't pull off a meeting that well, everybody notices. And so we'll talk about how meetings are the squeaky wheel. And they're super important, but they're not all important. So part is getting a vision for what group is. Member care is a team, and we, the larger church, stand by to help. Missions is just the, the Great Commission evangelism. This is probably the least, uh, the, if, if me- meetings are the squeaky wheel, you've got to take care of it. This is the, the opposite of that. Because member care, yeah, you kind of got to take care of people. Um, you you want to spend time with people, you've got to do meetings. But missions, if we, if, we get, if we don't really do missions, okay, we'll get to that sometime. So, this is vital importance in group life, but unnoticed when unattended to. And so we're going to look at a model. Trace is going to, uh, Ronnie's going to work on this, but Trace is going to give us some things that, that Challenge is doing. And we're going to look, the, the model is basically look to build trust relationships. Just encourage one another, keep in front of, hey, let's build trust relationships with unchurched people. And I've described trust relationship, you've heard it before, as, um, if I ask Joe to go to coffee, Joe doesn't think, that's weird. That's a trust relationship. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty, pretty minimum threshold for trust relationship. And so um, they trust me enough where, yeah, I'll go to coffee. And then look for opportunities to have gospel conversations. And it doesn't mean you have to share the entire gospel with them. It just means something that has, and Christy does this really well. She'll look for chances to put the gospel into conversations and then to see this as a team effort. So when Chris Snyder, who was in my group, and he came to Christ, he, we built a friendship. We'd had a friendship for about 11 years. And then I had a chance for some gospel conversations. Um, through some crisis, he came to Christ. And then I started getting him around Kevin Swimmer and Doug Ledbetter, and they started becoming his friends. And so we, we worked on it as a team. So it's a pretty simple model. We're not going to spin out some evangelism program. We're just going to say, hey, in your group, maybe just pray, consistently pray for trust relationships. Who you got? And then, um, hey, anybody had a gospel conversation this week? And then how can we get involved in that? Meaning, can I go to lunch with your buddy sometime? Pretty simple. <laughs> meetings, like I said, meetings are not small group, but they're super important. Um, I thought I got rid of that slide there. Well, that... I think I did on mine, but not on Rodney's. So meetings. Um, so a couple things about meetings. Um, we, we use the two words, coffee and content, just, just as hooks, mental hooks. Coffee just means spending time with one another, realizing small talk isn't small. It's, it's important, but it shouldn't be all. <laughs> um, and so the coffee is the, is the time you spend getting to know one another. Content. has to flow from God's word, theology, truth. And that truth needs to be dealt with in ways that are practical and applicable. So in small groups, we don't do in-depth Bible study. Over the years, people said, I want more in-depth Bible study. I'll show you how to sign up for seminary. You can go as in-deep as you want, in-depth you want, or I'll give you some books. But that's not the purpose of group. We do life application Bible study. 
because we're after transformation, not just information transfer in group. We do the sermon series. We started doing that years ago. We're not going to stop because it's the most effective way at accomplishing our vision for group. You say, well, I want to read other books. Then read them. I, I read other books with people outside of group. And say so we have people with this set of needs. We'll then work on those needs. But group content is going to be focused on what the church is doing together. And the reason why I came to this after all these years is I found that, that we were um, kind of, we were becoming experts in small parts of God's word. We weren't really becoming immersed in the whole counsel of God. And so we're chasing felt needs of our group, ourselves, or we're chasing cultural topics. But we, we have, a, have a plan to go through the Bible over many, many years. And so this allows us to engage over the long haul with, with, the, with the, the, the whole counsel of God. And this allows us time to dig in. We can hear it on Sunday. We can hear it again on Wednesday. And not just, you know, here's an here's a, a in-depth look at God's Word on Sunday. Here's something else on Wednesday or Tuesday, whenever your group meets. And then mentor. Well, let me go back. Um, I'll go forward. So here's, in talking about um, this coffee content, we, we talk about two dials, and you've got the coffee and content, coffee and content. And how do you, how do you um, get that balance just right? And, and we hear this from group leaders a lot. Like, you know, um, my group is heavy on the, on the chit-chat, or my group is, really spends a lot of time on the, on the scripture. There's no formula for this. And it, it's group to group. It's week to week. But you want to keep your hands on, on, on the coffee dial and the content dial, and you want to tweak it. You want to get it right. And, and some weeks you go, ah, that wasn't quite right. Some weeks this is right. But you just want to try to find that balance. And it's just it's every bit art and science. And so ask your friends, how are we doing? Too heavy on the chit-chat, too heavy on the, on the content. Is the content um, going too deep? Is the content too light? Just realize this is, this is just something, this is just trying to find your way through. You're not just going to nail it. Just keep, keep tweaking it. Then mentor is in that center. So um, mentoring, I would summarize as walk with Jesus, walk with others, and do it on purpose. <laughs> uh, that's mentoring. And mentoring is our strategy for intentionally working to reproduce leaders. So I love, um, stole this from Trace. And did you make this up? Probably, he doesn't know. He, he probably did, but leaders for the church and laborers for the harvest. And anybody know what the 222 stands for? Take a guess at it. Yeah, exactly. You know that verse? Who said that? Nobody's going to admit. <laughs> so... You had it once. That's okay. But you, I, was imp- I was impressed that you knew that. So that's good. It says, The things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men and women who will then be qualified to teach others. So the things you heard me say, um, the things you, you so heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who then qualify to teach others. So there's four generations in that, in that 222. And that's the idea of mentoring is is, is Investing in people who investing people who are investing people. So, how do I do these things as a pastor? Because again, they're very similar to what you would do. I interact with my team. Your group is your team. I interact with my team. We talk about these things. I learn from their strengths. Ask them to help me stay on track. I keep getting back on track because I, I spend my time getting back off track. 
So I'm off track, on track, and so my team helps me just hit the rumble strips and, strips and not the, the ditch. And then I try to focus on faithfulness and, and try not to worry too much about how none of what I do is perfect. And, and we're all wired different. Um, I like to say, and it's true, my wife feels guilty about way more than she should. I feel guilty about way less than I should, so we balance each other out really well. But, but, but even though I'm not a, a perfectionist, I do, um, I do have to tell myself, I'm, just, I'm not, I'm not going to be that great at anything. You know? I'm just going to try to be faithful, try to keep the main thing the main thing. So um, I've become tired this past year, this summer, just like you have. And I've had to practice resiliency, physically, mentally, spiritually, relationally, just like you have. I try to do what helps me recover and restore and build resilience just like you have. Because I want my life to, to, to be lived by what's of primary importance. And so I want to keep getting back on track with walk with Jesus, walk with people, love God, love people. And I know you have jobs, you have health things, you have stuff, you have family stuff, you have mental stuff, you have emotional stuff, you have financial stuff, you have spiritual stuff, you have stuff. I have a lot of stuff. So I'm going to talk about my stuff, and I'm contemplating skipping it because I'm, kind of, I'm kind of feeling like I might choke up if I do, and I'm um, not really in the mood to do that, but I'll take a stab at it anyway. So... I just won't look at anybody. So I buried my niece. It was super hard. Darn it. So I'm not afraid of being emotional. I just don't, I just want to, it's not necessarily helpful right now. I want to communicate. My dad's going through significant transition. It's complicated. Church has been great. But COVID and construction, getting tired of both of them. Nora's had some close calls the past two years. So, and then there's other stuff. My stuff is not harder than yours. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we all have our stuff, and our stuff is different, and our stuff is pretty much exactly the same. Same categories of stuff. And I know you're a volunteer, and I'm paid, but you do it, same reason I do it. You do it because you want to. And you believe God wants you to, and so you choose to want to. Maybe you say, I don't really want to, but God wants me to, so I, I choose to want to. That's okay. And I know you lead others in the middle of your stuff, just like I do. But loving God by leading people is just such a good way to spend your life. And the stuff is not going to stop being a part of our lives. It's just not going to stop. But thank God stuff isn't stopping us from spending and not wasting our lives. And so I just want to just tell you, good job. And... Um, and realize that every, everybody in here has, you know, a boatload of stuff. And it's different, but it's the same. So, if you have, if, you, if, you, if you're able to, go ahead and go to that spot right there. That website. Um, that's just, you can go to it through our, through rivercc.org. Or you can just go, Rodney's got a set up, you can go straight there. And this, this site has... Um, Kind of all of our, it's all of our leadership stuff, kind of our Magna Carta, our constitution um, on leadership, all in one place. And so if you want to bring it up, that'd be great. Maybe you've seen it before, maybe you haven't looked at it. Rodney took, we, we spent a, about a year 
the staff, just how do we consolidate all of our leadership philosophy of ministry into one kind of package? And then Rodney did a great job of putting into a really useful um, website. So if you look at um, you ha- the, what you have, you have here, you can either look on your device or look up here, either one. You have group leader's vision. See that? Group leader's lifestyle. And then group leader's responsibility. And those, those, those three things summarize our philosophy of ministry. So if you click on that little more about vision, boom. Um, let me read it to you. Our vision for leadership at River can be summed up in a single word, faithfulness. But faithfulness in a leader's life will result in God's people being led towards God's purposes for their lives. Whether the group becomes large or members become more like Christ are not factors completely within the control of the group leader. However, the leader can decide to be found faithful and nothing external to the leader can stop this from happening. Faithfulness, therefore, is a measure of success for the leader. Leading God's people towards God's purposes can sound like a grandiose and daunting task. On the one hand, it is a grand vision and it is a daunting task. On the other hand, when viewed through the lens of faithfulness is simply knowing and loving God and making God's love known to others. It's being God's man or woman in the sphere of influence where he's placed you. Faithfulness is doing based on being. First, the leader must pay attention to their own relationship with Christ, then learn to lead others from that secure place. So, that's, that's our vision. It's summed up in faithfulness. And um, we absolutely don't measure by whether you have five members, two members, whether your group, you say, my group's going to fold in another group next year. It's okay. Just be found faithful. That's the, that's the vision for, for group life. We all struggle with, with measuring by visual impact, you know, what's happening, what we measure, we want to measure what people feel or what we, what we feel, what others say about us, but don't measure that way. Just resolutely keep coming back to, it's, it's required that those who have been given a trust be found faithful. See that verse at the top, 1 Corinthians 4, 2? That's it. That, that's your vision for your group. Be faithful. And it's, it's hard to stay there, but it's important to keep that in mind. Then you have leadership lifestyle, and there's just three things there. There's communicate biblical beliefs, demonstrate biblical behaviors, celebrate biblical values. And why do we use celebrate, demonstrate, and communicate? Because people are changed, cultures are shaped, groups are shaped by what you communicate, demonstrate, and celebrate. And we obviously are going to communicate, demonstrate, celebrate biblical truth. So if you go and look under biblical beliefs, you click that, it just talks, just one, one word about how we're going to lead out of what the Bible says. We're going to communicate biblical truth. We're going to try to do it in ways that are relevant and contemporary. But college life, I mean, how many WSU students are in here? Raise your hands so we can see you. There's a, a bunch of them. Thank you. So college life is different in right now and, and than it was in 1977 when I showed up on campus. But um, people are not different, and the Bible hadn't changed. They hadn't, writ- they hadn't written any books. There's no revelation after revelation written since 77. It's the same. And so the, the challenge is to take the truth of Scripture and apply it to where you are in, right now. And so we're going to resolutely hold the Scripture. We're not going to be tossed around by the winds of, of culture we're going to resolutely hold the scripture. We're not going to do it in a mean way. We're not going to do it with a frown on our face. And we're not going to 
We're going to try to take and bridge the gap between the Bible and now. Sometimes when people say, we're going to be biblical, we're going to go back to Bible times, like 1952, you know, back during the Bible times. And, and that's not what I mean. I mean, grit, bridge what's true about the scriptures and, and right now. And then if you look at demonst- demonstrate biblical behaviors, um, you can click that. And, and that's basically just, um, we're going to be faithful. We're going to practice mess up, fess up, move on. I was, I was um, uh, Josh and Rob and I were talking, we had lunch together today and we were just talking about the importance of just modeling Things like modeling, be honest, be open with your failures, and um, just simple things like that. Living a single-story life. So we want to demonstrate biblical behaviors with our group members, and and what that means you got to let them in your life. They can't just see you just in group settings. They got to they got to get into your life. And then if you go to um, click on celebrate biblical values, then this is what we're letting our hearts get wrapped around. What's shaping us, what we're learning to love. And, and, and people are going to see what you love. They're going to know what you love by what you talk the most about, by what, you, by what you are giving yourself to. And so whenever, whenever I find myself chatting a lot about something that's just sort of out here somewhere, it's fine. It's like, I don't want to just stop chatting about that. I want to ask, why, why am I talking so much about that? <laughs> what does that say about my heart? And so I don't just want to get my mouth back online. I want to get my heart back online. If I get my heart back online, then my mouth is going to follow. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Lord says. So just um, watching, watching what we value by watching what comes out of our mouths and our lives. So then if you go down, we're all the way back to group leaders' responsibilities. And there's those four M's. Isn't that cool? And, and so if you click under, um, I won't go through those because we kind of started there. We've come back around. So you can look at this when you have time. I'd encourage you to. I'd encourage you. It's, a, it's, it's all in one place, and this is it. Um, and you can open those up. Mentoring, you can open it up. And there's, there's some really cool um, principles and patterns for what it looks like to, um, to mentor people. And the same with member care mission. And it's not, it's not this endless document. It's going to be right there. So go back sometimes when you're, when you're bored and instead of playing Candy Crush, then go look at this and um, just work your way or whatever's, whatever's cool out there right now. Go just spend some time in this. And so I want to um, finish with, come all the way back around and just focus on that triangle in the center, the mentoring and I, I said mentoring is walk with Jesus and, and, and walk with other people, love God by investing in other people. And so for the purposes of being a, a, for, of a group leader, we're intentionally investing in people to develop leaders for the church and laborers for the harvest, which is, which is directly in line with the Great Commission and, and the Scripture. And so how do we do that? How do we mentor? What's the starting point for mentoring? Starting point for mentoring is, I defined it as walk with Jesus and walk with people and do it on purpose. So the starting point is walk with Jesus. And so sometimes, often, we'll, you know, we'll talk about a walk with God or someone, someone may ask you, hey, we don't do it as much anymore, but usually back in the day, you go, hey, James, how's your walk with God? You know, he said it's good. And, um, and that's all, of course, that's what he's going to say. 
No, he would. <laughs> no, James was honest. He he would tell me he did this. He could he could have done that or that. But um, but it, we we don't use it much because it kind of turned into a cliche. You know, how's your walk with God? My walk with God is good. How you, are you walk with God? But but it's not a cliche. It's kind of unfortunate that it turned into one. In Genesis five, there is a selective genealogy of key patriarchs. The, all of Genesis five is so-and-so lived and died, and so-and-so lived and died. So in each case, the author underscores the death of these key figures. And it's done, it's done to focus our attention on the exceptional case. Anybody know the exceptional case's name? What's his name? Enoch, yeah. So Enoch was exceptional. Genesis 5.24, Enoch walked with God, then was no more because God took him away. So not dying in and of itself is noteworthy. I mean, that's kind of worthy of being pointed out. But that doesn't explain the, the author's purpose and why he gives the, the data. So I believe Moses wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books, and, and, and of all the history he could give and how he gives it, why did he give what he gives? And so that's the question to ask. It's not, you left this out or that one right, that's the wrong question. It's, well, he knew what he's doing, and God knew what he's doing, so why do you say it like that? So why do you think... Why do you think Moses thought it was so important to write it like this? And twice in, that, in those verses, it says, Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God, and God took him away. And that phrase, walk with God, has a special meaning to, to, to Moses. In Genesis 6, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people. He walked with God. Abraham and Isaac were faithful servants of God. They walked with God. So Enoch escaped the fate of Adam which was, you shall surely die, <laughs> because he walked with God. Adam walked with God, or God walked with him in the garden. Adam walked his own way, and he found death and despair. So here's what you find in, in, in um, Genesis. And if you want to read more about this, John um, Salehammer has a, a great and difficult book called The, the Pentateuch is Narrative. But in chapter 3, you have the fall. Right away in chapter 4, you have Cain killing Abel. So the curse is already set in. De separation from God has created internal dissonance. Cain is, is jealous. And then break with God, break with self, break with someone else. He kills his brother. So you already see the curse setting in. Chapter 5, Moses says, okay, here's all these generations. Life, death, life, death, life, death. And then there was this guy, <laughs> Enoch. And he walked with God and skipped the curse of death. And so Enoch is highlighted there to point to the promise of the, for those who walk with God. Walking with God was and is about relationship with him. And those who walk with God, you know, God could translate you straight to heaven. He, he's probably not to. You're probably going to go through death. Enoch was there to point to, he was, a, he was an outlier, to point to the Messiah who's going to come. So all who walk with God, who nourish that relationship of faith, will live a different kind of life in this life. We're going to skip death, eternal death. And we're also going to have a different kind of life than we do now. And, and, and towards the end of Deuteronomy, Moses is going to tell the people in the wilderness who are wandering around, they're walking, but they're walking kind of in circles because of rebellion. He said, I set before you today life and blessing, death and destruction. Love God, walk in his ways. And walking with God was not keeping the law. Because a lot of people walk with God before the law was given. Enoch walked with God before it was given. So, what is that? Do I hear air? I don't know. Yeah. 
Maybe it's some, it's some new building noise. Jim will figure it out. So walk with God. Let's, 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 let's um, bring back that phrase. I know it never left your vernacular, Kevin, but let's, 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 let's talk about walking with God. And not as a cliche, but as a biblical reality embedding in what it means to, to live with God. To, and, and, then, and then as we walk with God, <clears throat> in all the stuff that is your life, <laughs> and, and your life is full of stuff, and my life is full of stuff, walk with God there, and then walk with others. One of the great things about COVID, one of the COVID plus, was I literally walked with a lot of people. <laughs> Kevin and I walked once a week because the wives were closed, so we, we walked on the trail, and Sometimes I'd walk with two, two people a day because you couldn't go to a restaurant or coffee shop. So I love walking, literally, with people, but walk with God, walk with others, include them in your life, be honest about your stuff. You don't have to worry about, man, they're going to see my stuff. Then let them see your stuff. Communicate, demonstrate, celebrate a life of faith. Invite them in. Mentoring doesn't mean you're better or you know more. Kevin and I mentor each other. James and I mentor each other. Jim and I mentor each other. Mentoring just means you're intentionally pursuing others for their good and God's glory. That's, what, that's how we're describing mentoring in this relationship. And if you're a leader and you have a leader assistant, and we used to call them leader in training, but we got rid of that because it implies that you have to become a leader someday of a group. Not necessarily. Um, you may want to stay a leader assistant and be happy in that role. That's okay. You may want to lead a group someday. But leaders are investing in leader assistants and in group members, and you're investing in one another. And we're going to talk about this more as the year goes on. This, tonight and tomorrow, we're just, we're just reintroducing these to you, and then we're going to talk about them more in various leadership communities. And we'll give you the calendar for the year tomorrow. But mentoring others, walk with God, walk with, walk with people intentionally, this, the Lord is saying this can be your greatest joy in life's opportunity. And so let's embrace it. So now what we're going to do is we're going to hang out and eat ice cream. Um, this is probably the last time we'll get marble slab from Mo. Mo's going out of changing businesses. Not our Mo, not Mo, a different Muhammad, but the ice cream Mo. And um, they're shutting down, and so this is our last time we'll have it. But we're going to, Jim, we're going to roll it out here. Yep. Is this it right here? We're going to roll it out here, and um, we'll be back here at what time in the morning? Uh, uh, 8.45 for breakfast. So we're going to roll the ice cream out, so start with one. I think we have plenty, but start with one, right? Yeah. Start with one, and if there's more, you can come back. And um, if, you, if, if all the coffee's gone by the time I get there, that's okay. I'll just go to Marble Slab after I leave here. The coffee is delicious. So let me pray, and then, um, so we're, we're, done, we're done with the sit and get, but we're not done. You said, I thought this thing went a little bit later. It does. This is, this, what, what happens next is part of our time together, important part of our time together. I'm going to pray, and then let's enjoy our time together. Thank you, Father, for being Lord of our lives in the middle of our stuff, and um, thank you for these men and women who lead and love you and love others so well. And I pray that when their hearts are asking, how did I do, how did I do, you would just speak to them and say, you're good, you're good. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go get some ice cream.